0: This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. This is basketball gold. Fratello and Phelps. Jeff Phelps here. Mike Fratello there. Uh, Mike was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. And you guys had some fun stuff going on in Atlanta. You came to Cleveland, Mike. And as you talked about in one of our other podcasts and you, you were brought here to take a team that had a lot of scoring and take it to the next level. And that never really happened because of injuries. You had Mark price and Brad Doherty and hot rod and Larry Nance. And and that team just never was able to, to get it going because it was injuries and you guys kind of had to rebuild it on the fly. And what happened was something that I think Cleveland fans, affectionately call Fratello ball. And that was the idea of slow the game down, really emphasize the defense, emphasize good shots and scoring totals for the team did not soar. And I've, you've told me about this before. I've always thought, you know, what Mike did was coach what he had to try to win the most games with it. And so I, I wanted to dig into this and, and get your thoughts but have some information to back it up. So I did. Is that okay? I am so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So l- let me run through this real quick. Take your time. All right. When you went to Atlanta, you started in Atlanta, and your first year, the team scored 106 points a game. For your first year, 101. Second year, 106. Third year, 108. Fourth year, 110. And your win totals just kept going up. Uh, the, the last year there, 57-25, third best record in the NBA. And so you were coaching a style of ball that fit the personnel that you had. And I think that's what everybody needs to remember. You guys had Dominique. You had Randy Whitman. You had guys who could score the basketball. Mike, you designed a team that could score the basketball and win basketball games, right? That seems pretty simple.
1: We had doc rivers we had spud webb cliff levingston antoine carr tree rollins to go along with dominique and whitman as you mentioned so we had to take advantage of the fact that we had runners i i used to say early on with that team when i would do you know my press uh, interviews i would say sometimes our best shot is get it up on the glass and then go get it and mm. our second and third shots were our best
0: shots Then you came to Cleveland first year when you and you did have the first year Price Doherty hot rod Wilkins Nance although there were some injuries there you averaged 101 points a game next year 90.5 points a game lowest scoring in the NBA by five points a game but you didn't have Brad you didn't have Larry Gerald Wilkins was no longer on the team and you had to play a different style of basketball to win and then I, I loved the next year. 91.1 91.1 points a game in 1995-96 and this is kind of where this the Fortello ball myth and we're de- debunking the myth of Fortello ball. Uh, you started the season not well. And it was an 0 and 7 start and you went 47 and 28 the rest of the way. 47 and 28 after an 0 and 7 start. Terrell Brandon was the key guy on that team, 19.3 points a game and then Chris Mills at 15.1. What happened? In that early start, Mike, and after going, you know, with the beginning of the season, then going 0-7, and, and then going 47-28 and 28 the rest of the way.
1: As you mentioned, uh, we lost that first year, uh, not only Brad uh, and Larry Nance, to uh, career, what wound up being career-ending injuries. Yeah, yeah. Brad is back and Larry, two knee surgeries. Getting ready for the playoffs that first year against Chicago, we lost a hot rod who broke his thumb in practice the first day. So, going into the playoffs, in, end of my first year, no Brad, no Larry Nance, no hot rod. Uh, we come back in that second year, Gerald Wilkins blows out his Achilles tendon uh, in an exhibition game, and Mark Price breaks his wrist if you remember, before yep. we wound the trading Mark to Washington. So it's like, oh, my goodness, we've lost all five, six of these guys that were the, the first six guys on the team are no longer able to play for the Cavaliers. So when we got to that season number three and we had this the group of players that were there in this transition period, we started saying – from day one in practice we're gonna run we're gonna run we're
0: gonna run because everybody wanted that right Mike? The, wanted the players it. the fans everybody
1: right we want to run so you try and make everybody happy you try to make the players happy you try and make the front office happy because the front office happy if the fans are happy the front office is happy a lot because the fans still come to the games so we start out and we're zero and five and you know I sit with the staff and we uh, obviously break down every game after every game is over and it became quite obvious what our problems were our problems were one we had no depth uh, other teams would come on with their second unit people and would just pound our group our second mm-hmm. unit people which was you know a patched together group of guys that we picked up from here and there to kind of fill out a roster as we were waiting to try and get either the right draft pick or a trade to come up that you know Wayne Embry uh, you know, felt was the right deal and that he could put together and he did a terrific job of getting guys that had played a, a a Tony Campbell type guy, okay, who played with X number of teams, and you know Wayne was able to convince him to come and play for us. Uh, we wound up getting a Michael Cage, who came in and I, one of my all-time favorite players that I loved, Just major a rebounder, yeah. defensive player, limited offensively, but you never find a nicer and better team guy than a Michael Cage to do his job. So. Wayne put these pieces together and we're trying to run, but we're losing and we lose one and we lose two. We we finally lost five in a row. And to me, it was apparent. We couldn't run with teams like Chicago's who we might be in the game. uh, The game might be 87 to 85. And then in the next three minutes, Chicago would scores 20 to two and the game was over because of the depth, the athleticism, the difference in talent level between the two. So as we're seeing now, if you're watching, by the way, the uh, the championship in soccer, the World Cup championship, teams who know they're not as good as their opponents, you see them stall and delay and yeah. high time on the clock and they're shortening the game. They pass the ball around In the back and the other teams that if they want the other teams to come out and press them, if the other teams get frustrated, they extend their defense. When they extend their defense, now you're leaving these gaps. And all of a sudden that team that's a lesser team sees the opening, takes advantage, kicks along when a guy outruns the other guy and he's got a shot on goal. And that's what they're hoping for in those moments. Well, what we did is we sat down with the players after the five game start. And we had two tough opponents coming up. We had Indiana, who was very good. Rick Smith, Mark Jackson, that whole group, the talented Indiana group. And then we had San Antonio, David Robinson, and they were very, very good. So we're 0-5 facing 0-7. But we had a team meeting, and we said to the team, we had big sheets I had printed up. We mounted them on the wall and we went game by game why we've lost these five games and where the breaking point took place and what happened. And I explained to them, listen, we'll play the way you want to play. We'll keep practicing. We'll get better at it. But right now, our opinion as a staff is we should shorten the game, shorten the clock, lengthen possessions defensive players on other teams don't want to play defense for 24 seconds they want to play defense for 10 seconds hope you shoot they rebound they go back and run at you so let's throw pass 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 and get a good high percentage shot and we'll shoot the ball somewhere in five seconds to go four seconds to go on the 24 second clock if we get a steal if we get a block shot and we have numbers two on one three on one we take advantage of it but otherwise we're going to come down and run our plays. We're going to execute our plays to perfection. No first option. No second option. Get to the third option by moving the ball. And at the defensive end, we're going to be the best team in the NBA defensively. We're not going to give up second shots. Everybody's blocking out. We're going to secure the rebound and make the other teams dread coming in and playing us because our defense is going to be so good. I think, and we think as a staff, we can win that way. We're going to let you vote on it. I said, we're going to walk out of the room and Bobby Phils was our captain. And we said, Bobby, you guys talk it over. You come out when you're ready with the decision. Tell us how you want to go. Proceed wow. the way we're going. Still try and run fast break all the time, get shots up or change our style of play at 0 and 5. We walked out of the room, maybe 10 minutes went by. Bobby comes out and said, you know, OK, we're ready. Come on in. We go in the room and he said, we're ready to change none yeah. of us like losing this is terrible and you could feel it in the locker room nobody would look at each other forget looking at the coach nobody <laughs> wanted to look at me okay it was like my fault that we're all five but nobody wanted to look at each other there was mm. no talk in the locker room there was no fun there was no excitement being generated somebody was afraid to speak up somebody was afraid to make a joke somebody was afraid to make fun of someone else in the locker room because the sensitivities were so high at that time, starting out 0-5. We make our change. We go in the next game against Indiana, and we lose by, I don't know, three or four points. But we got in the locker room that night, and I could see people looking at me, looking in my eyes, and I said to them, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Play St. Antonio with 0-6. Yeah. But it was a three-point loss to a very good Indiana team. Now we play San Antonio in the next game and we lose by one or two to an excellent San Antonio team. I walked in the locker room and I remember saying, we're fine. I feel good right now. I said, we are going to turn the corner. We're 0-7 at this point, but it was a whole different thing. The guys were talking in the locker room, talking to each other, talking about the stop they got, the rebound they got, the extra pass for an open shot, and we lost by one, a heartbreaking loss but they could see the difference that we were competing. We were competing in the first five games because we were down 18-20, and it was like, this is over. There's no way we come back and win this one. That team went on, as you mentioned, to win 47 games and make the playoffs, and I, I couldn't be prouder of a group.
0: 47-28 and 28 after that 0-7 start. I, th- I think it's I think it's kind of big, Mike, that you let the players decide what they wanted to do. I mean, you laid it out for them. You, you kind of took them there. But you gave them the option. And were, were you surprised that that's what they decided to do? I didn't know what they were going to do. But I think uh,
1: that if you know your players a little bit and you know that they like to compete, uh, the Chris Mills, the Terrell Brandon, who was quiet but in his own way, loved to compete. Bobby Phils loved to compete. You know, one of the greatest ones uh, and toughest guys you'll, you know, you would have ever met at that time. They... Didn't like looking up, seeing a zero on the win column and three losses, four losses, five losses, six and seven, but a different six and seven. There's losing and there's ways of losing and there's losing where you're not competitive. Orlando, uh, last night, uh, they've got five wins going into that game against the Cavaliers, five and 17, but they come out and play hard every night.
0: Yeah, and they kept coming back,
1: yeah. There's spirit. so you've got guys on there who, you know, Boncaro, you know, Play that Duke, the number one pick in the draft, great pride. This guy likes to compete, 6'10", 245, 250 pounds, a big young man, okay, coming in the league as a rookie, okay, who goes out every night and really gets after it. Well, that Orlando team makes you work. They don't have much to show for it now. They're 5-18 and after last night's game. But you sweat to win your game against them. You work to find the moment that you can – Open the game up a little bit and then try to hold on against them in the end. And that's what we wanted to do with that team and uh, which they accomplished with their style of play. And believe me, uh, you know you have to you hang a carrot out sometimes, you know, and you keep chasing that carrot or the rabbit that the dogs will <laughs> chase around the track. We wanted to be the best defensive team ever. and we we looked up to find out what the number was lowest points holding an opponent to. Wow. and that team did it twice. Two years in a row, they held NBA opponents under 90 points per game, right around 88.6 or something like that, which was a tremendous accomplishment. People could say, well, they held the ball and they ran the, yeah, you know what? We, we held the ball for a lot of passes. We held the ball to get high percentage shots and we made you work at the defensive end. And if you wanted to come down and shoot the ball in three seconds because you were frustrated, fine, go ahead and do it. We weren't going to play your style you were going to play our style of play. And that's when we had gotten to that point where we felt we had changed the game in our favor that gave us a chance to win. And I always thought that was the object of playing games, whatever the game is. You're supposed to try and win.
0: And I always thought those years, Mike, some of the best coaching I've ever seen. I applaud for Ball. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. You to, to my players and coaches that got it done there. That'll do it. That's Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. We'll see you next time. And, and go embrace Fratello Ball, everybody. On to Team USA. Here we go. Good luck, USA. Take care of the Netherlands. If you need another coach, Mike Fratello is your guy because he just laid out the entire soccer strategy kind of encompassing Fratello Ball. That was impressive, by the way. It'll be a one nothing game, Jeff. <laughs> and you will love it because he yeah. gave your team the best chance to win.